So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I pushed the record button and I'm recording. Me too. Me too. All right. So, uh, welcome to Feature Creep. <gasps> Built in microwave. Forgot the colon. That's oh, not how man. to have fun at doing this. Stop Go back it. and Stop. do it over again. Welcome do to over. Feature Creep. Colon. <gasps> Built in microwave. Semicolon. Forced fun for everyone. Great job. Good job, everybody. I, I feel like you're not even trying. to be honest i'm not um in order for me to have fun i need you to do this right okay uh and it it has to be on my schedule yes you can't have more fun than i want you to have you have to have exactly the right amount of fun or i can't have fun right and then i will make everybody not have fun really this is about meeting my expectations about your (laughs) level of enjoyment Right. Um, and how how you'll be doing that uh this is like um man i don't know where to begin <laughs> with this one but let's begin at the beginning of right. our podcast which is to say welcome and uh welcome now that you're here now that you're here <laughs> some things you should know uh you can send us a, you can send dana an email because we blame her for this podcast and right. um and she is the ceo and founder of this podcast and the way you can email her is dana d-a-n-a at fcbm.io right yeah that is correct and if you forget that and you just go to fcbm.io um you will find the contact information listed on the on the web page um yep and a little secret if you send anything <laughs> to if you send any email to at fcbm.io so you make up some shit like like ned's a big fat dum-dum at fcbm.io we'll get the email it will it will reach us it will reach us um so just so funny yeah listener beware um yeah anyway aware aware (laughs) listener be aware Though to be fair, if you're at all familiar with the concept of forced fun for everyone, um, you already probably get that there is a bit of beware involved in many of these activities. Um, yes. I, how would you describe this concept? Like it, like surely you have like a good example, like swimming around think, in that. I think it's a form of. Of labor abuse and labor exploitation in most mm-hmm. cases. I mean, yes. the, I have been in settings where there was forced fun mm-hmm. that was not like um, professional or business or like fi- financial making money as a job in nature. Like mm-hmm. um, there's definitely like I think of orientations to college and universities where they make you show up in person for several days or whatever that like that that's forced fun like i don't right. really need all of this this is a lot yeah um or like but but when it mostly comes to mind what i'm thinking of is when your like employer 
is like, we're going to take a day off work. And everybody's like, yay. And they're like, to go do a thing that's fun together. And you're like, no. Right. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you have to be enjoying this job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's a con- it's almost like a contingency. Yeah, it's a form of oppression where it's like it's not enough that you're being judged on your productivity or in, in like quantifiable or qualifiable ways as an employee. Right. It's like now I have to like convince you that I'm like socially your friend too like that's not that's outside the boundaries of our negotiated relationship our negotiated relationship is that you're my employer and i'm your employee so for the legally required number of hours per week yeah i will be in service to you for an exchange of an agreed upon sum of money and outside of those hours you either fucking pay me or i'm not doing your thing right like I'm not here because I want to like be friends with who I'm working with. Like I have friends who I spend time with on a much better basis of criteria than um, we need to make money together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also like I would like to think that if I was hanging out with people on the basis of we need to make money together, it'd be way better than whatever jobs I've had in real life, which were about making money for somebody else. Um, Right. So like it's, it's, it's extremely contemptible. Is that the right word? Like I feel a lot of contempt towards employers who are like, it's not good enough for me that you show up and perform the duties as prescribed. Right. I need you to be emotionally invested in this and not just emotionally invested like in any way like not angry at the um uneven power dynamics or like (laughs) the unfairness of the fact that like an entire managerial class doesn't work and their whole job is just to be looked at by the people they lord over yeah like fuck you so like i this idea that it's not enough that I can show up and like do these things that I have a duty to do based on this agreement that we have that you will compensate me for these things that I'm going to do for you. It's intentionally like cruel and it's like extremely, I think sociopathic to like, or sociopathological to like hold a gun to your employees heads basically and tell them to smile the whole time. So yeah, forced fun is fucking terrible. I hate it. I yeah. I used to find all kinds of reasons not to do forced fun. Yeah. No, I can like, I like I can relate to this 100% and I think it's pretty prevalent in a lot of the work environments I've been in where um it it's not enough to show up. At, I was just going to say this I feel like is is why like to me the whole quiet quitting movement is kind of garbage mm-hmm. because it's like when you read about it like to my mind it's like oh you just kind of like don't do your job until they fire you no quiet quitting is just you do what's required of you and then don't engage with your work otherwise right which to my mind is like it's like wait that's that's considered like disobedience to show up and just do your job and then not fucking worry about it and get on with the rest of your life that's right. that's how fucking skewed it is that we're in the world of like, 
you know, fun, forced fun. Right. <laughs> like quiet quitting is not quitting. It has nothing. It, 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 every time I like every time I read about it, I'm like, oh, you mean just people who show up and do their job every day. Right. Yeah. Like <clears throat> the attitude coming from management during episodic forced fun mm -hmm. is that you should be treating your shit ass job where they barely treat you like a human yeah. as though it's literally your life's work. Right. Yeah. And it's so insulting. Like forced yeah. fun is the, I think forced fun, even more so than poor compensation. Yeah. Forced fun is the epitome of like maltreatment of employees yeah. like <clears throat> because it's just so emotionally manipulative it's, and it's so unnecessary like you don't get to own my feelings while i'm at your job it's a super weird form of thought policing where it's like you yes. have to be stoked bro why aren't you right. stoked the like lately in the last couple of years the number of different managers that i've like you know interacted with where they asked me questions that i'm like that feels really inappropriate yeah. Like you're asking me how excited I am about this. How, you know, like you want to know how I feel about this. Like it doesn't matter. Did I do the work or not? Right. Exactly. Like, are you giving me a choice? Give me a choice. Don't say like, what would I like to do? It feels like yeah. entrapment. Like what's yes. available? What I, every time they ask me that, I'm like, well, what I would like to do is to have you pay me. And then I go sail on my boat and don't talk to you ever again. Right. I don't usually say it quite that like in their face because clearly they're looking for like, you know, they want to have an emotionally fulfilling relationship with me, which feels real fucking like, like that crosses so many boundaries. It's such a weird power dynamic. It's like they want me to make them feel good. It's abusive. about what they're doing. And I'm like, you're in the power seat. Like, I'm just going to say yes. If you tell me right. my only choice is to say yes or get fired, I'm going to say yes well, I'm or say yes. I'm going to leave. But, you know. I've chosen to be here because the money is what I've decided I want or is what I can get. Right. And so after that, you know, I'm yeah, just lying they, to you. Like it's just, they everybody assume, is. They, it's like they assume their position assumes some beneficence on our part as though like we have all of this time and love to give and we're just searching for someone to dump it on and they yeah. are, they want to be those people. And it's like, no, it's the other way around. You have some shit work you want done. You yeah. don't want to do it yourselves, so you want to pay someone else to do it, or your business model depends on paying someone else to do it, in which case I should have the upper hand, motherfuckers. Right. Like, it's completely ass backwards how employees are treated. Oh, it's so fucking maddening. <sighs> Makes me... It's like your whole stupid business depends on people like us showing up every day to do your stupid thing. Mm -hmm. So you'd think you'd be a little nicer to us. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, <laughs> I just feel like we should have a general strike for like just even a couple of weeks and be like, no, we're not fucking doing this anymore. This is stupid. Right. This whole idea. We're all supposed to like parade around like we're happy to see each other as though like somehow we're able to develop meaningful friendships that don't cross boundaries into like weird harassment type stuff based yeah. on labor laws. Like a, a whole host of what employers ask of their employees to me is crosses the line into harassment in terms of like labor policy. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially sexual harassment in a lot of cases. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's just so intrusive and so invasive. Um, 
and the and the idea that um, your health insurance and your ability to pay for your housing are tied to your employer liking you enough. Like if your employer bluntly tells you you need to smile more and you're a woman or a woman presenting person, you can largely like sue over that. I mean, it's settled case law at this point. Like you can't tell me to fucking smile and wear high heels to work anymore. Assholes. Like it was shitty the whole time. It's just now you don't get to legally get away with it anymore. Right. And like I feel that because there is so much like sexism that exists in the workforce, there's a lot of stuff that crosses a lot of boundaries, but because of the veil of sexism, it doesn't really come across as being like harassy or codependent. Yeah. And so like, like you, your boss constantly badgering you to be more emotionally invested in your work and like soothe him and make him feel good if you were a woman would seem very fucking strange to people yeah but because it's not because the presumption is that like he's just your boss and you're just this guy who works for him that there's no harassment going on or that like there's no boundaries being crossed because him telling you to have a different attitude at work and like you know I can't be happy unless you're happy essentially is what he's telling you like those things would stick out very obviously as like borderline harassment or hostile work environment for like people of opposite genders who are especially with the the man in the like power position right right right. and and i think i'm kind of like i haven't eaten enough calories today so i'm maybe not making this point very clearly or very well but i'm just saying like i think a lot passes for acceptable behavior Mm -hmm. because people are unwilling to a admit that they're being harassed and or oppressed and or abused by their bosses right because of what that says about them yeah like I don't want to admit that I'm the type of person who's willing to let myself get into the position of working for people who abuse me. Yeah. So I'm not going to see this as abuse. I'm just going to see it as like, oh, I have a difficult boss or whatever. Right. But I just think, depending on where you draw the line, like mandatory fun is never not abusive. Right. right. If you appreciate me and you want me to have fun, don't act like what I want is to have fun on my own time with you guys. Like you're overlooking, you're treating it as though I'm here with you for some other reason than a paycheck, which is like super disrespectful to me Yeah, as an employee. Yeah. Like if you want to appreciate me, you give me either more money or you give me less time in contact with you and you give me more of my life back. Right. Because no matter what you're paying me, it's not worth it selling me selling off one hour of my life at a time. Whatever right. you're paying, it's not fucking worth it. It's, right. I'm never getting those hours back. Yeah. So like, let's not all fucking pretend that what we want on a day off is to not have a day off. That's so garbage. Do you, can I just say, um, when we first started this topic, I had really had visions in my head more along the lines of... Um, you're not playing that game correctly. Play it the way I told you, not how it's fun for you. <laughs> right. Which is not so different in this instance, but the implications are hugely different, right? Like Truth. one of them is it's family game night and, you know, we're hanging around playing a board game and everyone's having fun and one person has decided, but that's not the way the rules are and we all have to play by the rules or it's not okay. 
Is this person usually the youngest child in the room? I mean, it. I, I imagine like most people have an experience of this, like either in their friends or uh, you and I have probably <laughs> experienced a level of this where it was like, we told you to use these tools to do the thing in a way yes. that's fun. And when, yes. when like the outcome is like irrelevant, <clears throat> right? It's like, you know, it was like, oh, we're going to fucking do, you know, paper mache or something like that. And it's like, no, you had to use this ratio of glue and water and do these things. And, and it was just like, in the end, it's like, it was almost <laughs> as much fun just watching the balloon pop than it was to like put the fucking paper mache over it. Um, and I know I'm kind of mixing <laughs> metaphors to uh, gloss, gloss over some of the things we don't talk about in our collective past. But right. um <laughs> One time Ned exploded a balloon right next to my head by accident. Yeah, and it was it was so so, loud. so startlingly loud <laughs> that I was shocked at what happened and I was genuinely <laughs> concerned that you had been damaged in some way. I was like, I I know that the balloon just popped, but it was so loud. It was incredibly loud. Like yeah. how was it so loud? Now I'm fascinated by this. Yes. I want to understand why one balloon popping is louder than another. Why? What so makes that happen? My my theory on this particular instance yes? has to do with the location. We were between a hard it was in the corner of a hard wall and a hard floor, hard service yep. floor. Yep. And the balloon was extremely overinflated, which is one of the reasons they kept popping. Because we're right. trying to make them as large as possible to get a right. very large volume to paper mache over and have these big heads. It, much larger than our own heads. Yes, much larger than our own heads. Our heads had to fit inside the balloon size. Yes, yes. exactly. Uh, like, with generously, like there had to be enough room yes. to, like... Yeah. <laughs> couldn't be snug. <laughs> couldn't be snug, no, right, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, we were... Uh, but. My theory is that the reason that it was so loud in that moment was just like a confluence of all of these things. Plus, maybe just the way it was popped. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was under, I admit, it was under like an incredible amount of tension. Yeah. Because it basically was like wafting through the air. I mean, it wasn't like a roly-poly balloon that was like bumbling around. It right. was like It was like featherweight because yeah. it was stretched so thin. Right. And it kind of drifted over and we both saw it going. And I remember, and maybe you were thinking this too at the same time that I was thinking it, but I remember thinking, no sudden movements. Like yes. I was going to go for yes. it, but I knew if I tried to grab it, it was definitely going to pop. And so you and I both just kind of watched it settle to the ground and yes. like it barely touched the surface of the floor when it exploded. Right. And I was kind of bending down as if I was going to pick it up. So I was yeah. moving toward it when it popped and it was like, I, I felt like it blew my hair back. You yes, know? Like it, it was did, so it loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like oh man that's so funny it would be really so it would be a kind of mandatory fun for me and you if we hosted a balloon head making workshop and insisted that everyone overfill their balloons the whole time while we we're instructing them yeah yes yeah it would not be fun for other people but it would, <laughs> it would be, be very fun, fun for us yes. <laughs> Do you ever wonder if people like if there there must be there must be a contingent of people who like plan events but plan them so that they're insufferable to the attendees just from some kind of like sadistic standpoint, right? Like yeah. I want to start 
I want to start a conference company or like an event company that gives people terrible adverse experiences so they have something to really complain about afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like you've never suffered a day in your life. <laughs> There's <Right>. a retreat <laughs> for that. <laughs> we can tack on the fee system. Yes. I still think our fee- everyone I've told about the fee system thinks it's genius. I think it's amazing. I I think that maybe as a side project we need to like continue to like work up and collect all the requirements for how that system would work. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah. for those of you listening, the inside joke is that uh, Meg and I were visiting a well-known large city on the West Coast, um, and we were kind of noticing that like just by existing there, there were just fees for everything like rents yeah just if you're gonna stand there it's gonna cost you five (laughs) dollars yeah it was just like park your car here pay this money have a car pay this money like drive through this road pay this money like walk through this gate pay this money stand on this corner pay this money like use this bathroom pay this money like just everything um oh are you breathing that air right now well there's a fee for that and um and we were kind of joking that we would make this app that would allow you to because um, one of the things we noticed is that a lot of these fees were sort of like pseudo honor system. They were kind of yes. just like, like it, it was like basically like if you're going to park here, get, go get this app and then pay this fee. Um, or, you know, if you're right. going to do this yeah. thing, just download and this the- app and then pay this fee. And then we know you did, you know, you're paid right. up or whatever. It was very much like it very much felt like the honor system because it's like, well, what if I don't do that like who's gonna know and tow me or like right at me or like what are the consequences and you're like i it seems i don't know and then we, and we ended up paying like 80 dollars for fucking parking yes and i was yeah. like i can't believe that just fucking happened like right like we had to pay it up front it wasn't for an event or anything and it was in no. the tenderloin yes yes i mean I think well now you've just realize... given away the city well no you haven't we haven't named it so it's fine <laughs> right. I, i'm teasing every city um, has a tenderloin yes um <laughs> but the uh, uh but the upshot of that was that we began joking about uh making an app that would revolve around the idea that there's a fee for that with the idea that the app would allow you to pay any kind of fee you would like. Right. Like now, do you feel like you need to pay a fee for like this valet parking that you're not getting. You could do that through our app. Right. And you can just na- make up and name fees, share them with other people and then other people can pay those fees as well. And now you may be asking, okay, but, right. but who, uh, where does the money go? Well, the money goes to us. Right, and I to mean think some, of more fees. Yeah, to, to but also to support the business of supporting the app that pays that collects fee payment. Um, right, we we have to support the app, or you can't pay the fee. Right, and the the great so that's thing, how that works. Yeah, the great thing about it is like it, like the hilarious part about it is it's like you don't there'd be nothing on the app that would trick people like outright trick people into thinking that they were paying a fee that was like mandatory or anything like that. Um, I mean, you could label them mandatory, right. but it would be understood that, like, you know, this this app is connected to nothing other than you showed up here and decided to put five dollars transfer five dollars mm-hmm. through a you know a, right. some kind of exchange, right? And what you get in return is the good feeling of knowing that you're paying enough fees for something, 
Right. I mean, the Catholic in me is like, boy, confession would be uh-huh. a lot easier if you could just pay a fee. And yes. I mean, if you're a lapsed, ta- lapsed Catholic like I am, you could just substitute like every time you swear you could be it could be like a modern swear jar it could just be like a, a modern fee. swear just pay a fee or yeah. like you know and i mean it's way more painful than a real swear jar because a real swear jar you get to keep all your own money what kind of a pen- punishment is that like no right. you need to swear jar us yes right and then exactly. whether or not you succeed is on you but we get your money and so at least it's painful for you right motivator. <laughs> right it's motivating yes <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but you could do this for anything. I mean, gosh, uh, every time you think about how great it would be to like divorce your spouse, but then you, f- you decide not to through yeah. on it, yep. you could pay a fee, and yeah. then it would be really it would be cheaper to get Cathartic. a divorce than stay married. Yeah, cathartic too. Yes, I mean, maybe it would save your relationship. We don't know. That part's not up to us. We've we've right. done our part. What it's you do with part. it after you're parted with your money and has and you've given it to us is your business. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And what we do you, with the money you is You retain our creative control over it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to have fees that are recurring or that are compounding interest because you didn't pay them, that is absolutely your prerogative. Right. Like, we're not going to get in the way of that. In fact, we're going to facilitate that. Yeah, we're totally going to encourage that. Yeah. I mean... Like, I, I think the important thing is that there's a lot of tools that allow you to be creative with how you assess fees and um, yeah. rent seeking in general. Right. Rent seeking is kind of like the way of the future. It and absolutely so I is. just think, yes. I think more than like influencing and stuff, rent seeking is mostly like the thing now. Yeah. 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 Like, if only we could think of a way to like create sort of a rent seeking structure over or like a fee structure over influencers Mm, yes i wonder what that would look like i don't know we're gonna have to revisit that one that sounds like a dynamite idea if you're screaming in your mind right now that you've got the answer this is a great time to email us Um, yes i've been plugging the email a lot lately because (laughs) um i feel like I I don't could, I don't know where to settle that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you could what? You you could email rents at you, fcbm.io. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You could start right there. Yep. Yep. See what they have to say about it. Right. <laughs> Our staff. Our fully staffed Our staff. Our fully staffed staff. Yeah. <laughs> Our staffinated uh, staff. Staffinated. Yeah. We're sta- we're fully staffinated. I shoveled a lot today. Speaking of being fully stuffinated, I had a was matcha it poop? Tea. Did you shuffle poop? Shovel? No, poop. snow. Snow. That's way better than poop. It is way better than poop. Although I did scoop cat poop, so I guess I've done both today. Ah, yeah. It's always a you bit know. of shit involved in everything these days. It's. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Especially bowling in the finger holes. I know. <laughs> That always horrified me. <laughs> Same. I was just thinking, um, maybe we need to do another episode. I feel like we did an episode about like what you don't know about whatever is killing you. Um, yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll just become like a a sort of uh, fecal adver- fecally adverse uh, discussion group. 
Yeah. yeah. It would be fun to run around swabbing surfaces and tell everyone what we cultured. Yeah. That would be cool. We could like, do that. Guess what we grew from this common object. Yeah. Yeah. Public space, public spaces, mm-hmm. public common objects. I went to the Mall of America with my nephews and uh-huh. my mom, and we went to what used to be in my younger days Camp Snoopy, and in my opinion, was the best thematic park in the center of the mall um there have been other themes for the park the current theme is nickelodeon and it looks like a that sounds very psychedelic clown vomited everywhere it's a little it's a little hard to take dated than peanuts somehow peanuts was adorable it had like kind of a north woodsy feel so it was very vocal yeah um it was a lot of like earth tones and natural colors and then obviously like elements from the comic strip itself sure um the music they had the music playing in the park oh adorable yeah it was really good and then after charles schultz died i think yeah something happened with the licensing and i think oh, that yes. they moved the peanuts to Knott's berry farm that sounds right and so then they rebranded at the mall of america and i can't remember if there was something in between the peanuts and nickelodeon mm-hmm but now it's Nickelodeon and it's like really intense. Um, he died in 2000, February 12, yeah. 2000, according to Wikipedia. That sounds right. That sounds. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, now it's kind of like a crazy, like overwhelming place. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this on any of the other episodes, but I had, this really weird dream. Well, it's the same nightmare that I've been having for years now um, where we're like stuck someplace and we're trying to figure out how to get out me and you. Yeah. And it's always like a mall or a convention center or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's some work related element, some annoying job, fun, some mandatory fun thing probably mm-hmm. happening. Right. And we're just trying to figure out how the fuck to get out of there. Um, <laughs> so now every time, I mean, I'm, I say every time, but yeah. I don't go to the mall of America very often. And for reasons involving small children's birthdays, I have been out there thrice recently. Okay. Oh, And in each of the three occasions that I have gone out there, I have had a full on flop sweating, gut churning (laughs) panic attack because of the association with these weird Uh nightmares that I'm having. Uh And so (laughs) I park and I'm fine. And as soon as I get inside and I like have the mall experience, the like the sensation of how big you are relative to the space around you, the amount of stuff, the people, the smells, the lights, everything. It's just like so vivid. And I just like have a full on panic attack where I'm like talking myself through it. Like, it's okay. Just keep going. <laughs> like uh-huh. it's going to wear off any second. Right. <laughs> so I like show up, you know, like sort of taking off all of the layers as appropriate mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm like sweating through my clothes from this like completely yes. irrational <laughs> panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting more manageable. The first time it happened, um, I was I went to get some bath stuff from a Lush store and so uh-huh. I went to one of the smaller regional malls um yeah. in yeah, one yeah. of the suburbs not the big mall of America cuz if like man MOA can be a, a a big trip like 
you have to park right where you need to go in if you want surgical precision and like go in and back out again. Otherwise, it's just like overwhelming. Yeah. So I went to the Rosedale Mall, which is like closer to our house in a smaller mall. Mm-hmm. But um, I parked in the Macy's and then I walked through the Macy's to get into the mall itself. And malls are all designed essentially well they're recognizably malls right Right, like you never don't know when you're in a mall um they're just these huge spaces that can make you feel somewhat like agoraphobic because they're so vacuous like there's these enormous indoor spaces Mm -hmm. and so like you never don't feel like you're in a mall when you're in a mall the experience is always very recognizable and so there's just no getting around this like nightmare in real life mall association the first time it happened it was so bad i almost barfed in a trash can (laughs) 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 i was like it's gonna be a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point i'm gonna get right like ushered out so um yeah and i i realized that immediately what was happening i was not prepared for it i didn't anticipate it at all but as soon as it happened i was like oh my god i'm having a panic attack because that weird fucking nightmare i had the other night and so i knew what the association was yeah um but i like could not get over the somatic response to it like i tried to know it's like yeah intense i'm actually just reminded of when we (laughs) talked about the line um that huge project in dubai or whatever the fuck are no in the uh uh yeah saudi arabia saudi arabia yeah i think Um, yes and some of the drawings of it the way they were Mm -hmm. like really embracing they kept talking about like vert going vertical or whatever but um like the dumbest part of the whole thing is like they're like, oh, the problem with m- most urban planning is the fact that you're only using two dimensions. We're going right. to use three and then we're going to remove one because we're only going to build in a straight line across the desert and never <laughs> in any other direction. <laughs> so we're going to go back to two. It's just going to be on its side anyway. Right. Um, but the the thing about the mall, you saying how like you never not know you're in a mall and it can be yeah. very like um, what you describe like ag- agoraphobic. well yeah like i i'm not sure if that's exactly the right word for it but it's like you are just suddenly so minuscule in comparison to the vacuousness Mm -hmm. and the overwhelming largeness of the space around you like and that's that's what i'm trying to like connect with that idea of like all the drawings they had of the line i'm like so now we're all gonna live in a giant mall right Yes, it did look like a giant mall. And on the scale that they're describing it, yeah. like if I'm already having sort of like feelings around, wow, a, a normal sized mall is not really manageably sized for humans. You know right. what I mean? Like it's, it is, but it takes like a huge team of people constantly tending it yeah. to keep it going. And it's just like really impractical. Anything larger than that. And I feel like you run the risk of having... Um, people experience the same kind of um, sort of like meltdowns that spelunkers have in excessively large caves that they break into where they're just like, fuck, at the scale of it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I just wonder if it's going to like paralyze people to be in a space like that where it's like, I'm here, but it is inconceivably large to my mind what I am experiencing. Right. Right. It seems the opposite of restful. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't think I want to live there. Right. No, the same. It just, it feels like, 
I, I, I often feel like, you know, when you see those like artist renditions of, um, like a build, like a structure before, and then, then the actual reality of it is like, it, it, all of this feels like it's the same problem with, um, like real estate photography. Yes. They use these impossibly wide angle lenses to put you in a, per, like the viewer's position mm -hmm. is an impossible position to be in if you're a human in that space. Right. <laughs> yes. Well said. And so. <laughs> sure, so, you can get a pinhole camera right there, but you can't fit a human. Right. And so, like a lot of a lot of the time, it's sort of um, it's frustrating because it's like, yeah, a lot of these places would be great to live for a fucking cockroach. Right. But like, you're not. But I'm not. I'm a full human. Like, you know, I'm in that average range of like, you know, three feet to, you know, seven feet or whatever, you know, somewhere in that range. <laughs> I I want to be inclusive because like my point is not right. that it's like you're like, oh, only six people, you know, six foot people tall people would experience this or, you know, oh, well, if you were exceptionally short, like say three feet or under three feet or something that then this will make sense. I don't think that's true. I think yeah. that in any range, if you're ahead you know, if you're a head on some shoulders or, you know, if you're some kind of human being of some mm -hmm. sort who has thoughts and consciousness and can yeah. perceive this space, you can't perceive it the way this. that these images and drawings perceive it. Right. And that to me is like the real criminal or not criminal, but it's just it's it's misleading and unfortunate because I think mm -hmm. it sets these like lofty goals and then these ridiculous buildings get built and you're like you go in them and you're like, this is a terrible place to be. Right. This is a, this this place makes me feel deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you know like so much of like mall space is is so um like hidden right behind that like theme parks are this way for me too. Like mm -hmm. hidden behind the facade of where you are supposed to go is all of the places you can't and are not allowed to be. Right. And so it really feels very restrictive in right. a weird unconscious kind of way. Like you're in the mall and it's like, I'm allowed to go to all these places, but none of these other places. Sometimes right. it's, sometimes it's, it's as practical as like, well, there's a big giant fucking wall there and no one can go through there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, that's a security door that only certain people can access through, access through. But for the most part, it's like really restrictive on where, like how you can travel and move through that yeah. space. Like there's no real natural spaces that are like this to that extent yeah i would love to study the actual like philosophy of mall design because yeah. i'm sure it's evolved quite a bit over the century that malls have been around or well i mean probably not even a century the edina mall in minneapolis right. was the first mall and i think it was built in like the 50s uh-huh so like they haven't even had a legacy of a hundred years yet and they're all dying off except for here there will always be malls here you know why because they're glorious in the winter Oh, of course. Right. I mean, I like there's so much of them that makes sense. And I'm not saying that they're like all universally the yeah. worst. It's just I mean, they are pretty terrible because yeah. like Naomi Klein talks about this in her book, No Logo. Mm -hmm. She talks about the the like loss of actual public spaces. And so like in our climate, malls serve as a public square, but they are privately owned land and you do not right. have the right to say shit there. So you're, right. th you're there as a consumer, not as a, a participating member of society. Right. But there's it's either a mall or a bar that's what you get in winter here take your pick right right i imagine um 
I, I mean, I think this kind of goes to my point. I think you've talked about, I've never actually seen this space, but you've described like there's some places where there's um, like downtown, there's connections between buildings that are completely covered. That yeah, are there like are skyways. Shared. Yeah, and there's miles sh- and miles, like 13 miles of skyways, I think. Is yeah, like and like, like to my mind, that's different from a mall because it's a joint effort between two separate entities. And when you're engaged in those i imagine it doesn't feel quite the same way as a mall right so they are um all of the high-rise buildings in downtown minneapolis yeah and even some that are not super high-rise but whatever they are generally speaking they're office buildings and they have all of the entries on the ground floor mm-hmm. you know um and then on the second story is where all of the um skyways connect and there's usually like kind of a bustling public space on the second floor of all of these buildings so first floors are like lobbies with escalators and elevators and like Mm -hmm. security guards and check-ins and things like that and then the second story if you get up are like it's kind of like a mall or like you know retail there's newsstands and things that you would see in a city that has like a a ground level street life so like yeah. farmers markety type stuff and right, places right. to get food and like stores like luggage stores and travel stores and like things that you would find in malls and stuff like that and mm-hmm. banks and like just shit people need to do their daily lives they can do in the same building that they work in or the next one over or whatever and right, so people right. walk a lot in the winter and it seemed like this great idea but the the price of it is the loss of an actual interactive street life in what is otherwise a large city. Or, well, it's right. not like a huge city. It's not like fucking Houston. But I mean, sure. it's like several hundred thousand people. Right. And right. like there's no. Right. Because no everything is ex- extracted away from the street and up into the. Right. Into and the commercial I think. Spaces. Yeah. And who that leaves behind at the street level are people who can't afford to. Get through be the in those public spaces that are now privatized right and they can't get the past the security story. guards or past right. the like yeah right and so then they just become sitting ducks for harassment by the police right right so yeah like there it seems like such a great idea and yet it's such yeah. a terrible like it has these terrible consequences yeah socially so it is so in many ways it's it's like it is a problem like malls mm-hmm or yeah, it suffers from so. the same the same issues, which is like that non-public space that is because there's that that tricky sort of public space bent right in America right. where stores are considered like a public space in a sense, but they're privately owned. Mm-hmm. So it's a public space in which your behavior is like severely curtailed, right? In and in you, and ways, you have to pay for the right to be there. Yes. Yep. Yep. Slime. Yeah, yeah, but the, it's nice for like walking around in the winter. Yeah, when you don't want to be freezing cold. I yep. mean, I don't know. Right. Like we could just do what they do in places where it's cold all the time, and like have outdoor patios with like fires going and fucking wool blankets in a big stack, and like shit, yeah. and you just sit outside and just like deal with it. Yeah, you just fucking deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we have these wool blankets, so if we uh-huh. want to, we can sit outside. Yeah, but I bet it's fucking it's cold. I'm going to come. I want to come visit you for some of the winter. I want to see this. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I mean, it already snowed. Maybe we'll have enough snow this year to actually like go snowshoeing and do the winter things that make the snow, enduring the snow worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of like a fucking. 
fucking gorgeous scenery around here too. So it's like yeah. if 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 the way to enjoy this, if what you want to do is enjoy scenery, then there's no reason not to go like rent some snowshoes and just go out and do right, it. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, it's, <laughs> and I have my new my big fancy North Face 600 fill down coat that I got that goes from like the yeah. tippy top of my head down to almost my ankles. <laughs> And I've been shoveling all day wearing that coat because I'm impervious to the cold. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's this weird, like, it, it's the, like, Carhartt overalls brown color. You know? Oh, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was black. Well, everything else I own is black. <laughs> yes. So that's fair. That's, but I could yeah. not find this in black. And yeah. I, it's a North Face and I got it brand new um, with tags, but I bought it from a secondhand clothing site. So oh, I paid gotcha. way, 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 way less for it than it oh. was off the shelf at the North Face. Yeah. Um, so my, uh, my choices in terms of aesthetics were severely limited and I was like, sure. I don't care. Yeah. I'm right. getting a great deal on a coat that's going to not let me, I'm never going to be cold again. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My knees are warm. Like it covers my knees when I sit down. That's how long it is. Wow. So great. Yeah. That's, that seems pretty critical. Yeah. It was very puffy. Yeah. I look like a little caterpillar when I'm like That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that coat is a great design. The only thing I could want for her yeah. is like, well, there's two things. One, I would like some fake fur around the face. Oh, okay. Around sure. the like, face yeah. hole when I put yep. the hood up. It doesn't have fake fur. And I feel like that kind of really finishes off a coat. That's like if you have a really freezing cold climate and you have a lot of crosswinds, that fur windbreak is amazing. Like it makes all the difference to people who wear contact lenses like I do. I don't want to wear ski goggles every time I leave the house. But if I like go out without something protecting my face, my eyes will like freeze shut. Yeah. And my contacts dry out really fast and it's super terrible. Um, the other thing is like this the sleeves have a very narrow um hem on them. So like a lot of jackets have um sort of like a thick hem that like the sleeve oh, ends yeah. and then there's a hem that you can like it's elasticized, you can pull it around your your gloves or whatever. So yeah. it creates kind of like it creates a significant overlap between what you're covering up with the coat and what's under the coat. So like yes a three inch collar around your sleeve. Right. This has a very narrow collar. Huh. And so when it moves, if I, if I have it pulled over my gloves and I extend my arm out or like reach in front of me or something like that. Yeah. And the coat like, and that pulls the sleeve back up my arm. I, it will immediately expose skin. So I'm Ugh. going to have to have arm warmers. Yes. Yeah. Because or there's it gaps very easily long, at the sleeve. The sleeves are gloves, long enough. Long gloves, gloves, long gloves, long gloves. Right. Yes, right. Yep. Um, yeah, because the cuff on the sleeve is very, very short and narrow, and um, there's not much to it. So where yeah. the sleeve ends, that's it. And it has elastic, so it's it's like tense. It's, you know yeah, what I mean? It's held taut around my wrist, but yeah. um, if it slides at all, it slides right off my glove because there's not a lot gripping it. Um, right, and right. so yeah, I was like, dang it. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, I have to report on the design flaws of this otherwise basically perfect fucking coat. You need sleeve extenders. Sleeve extenders. Yes. 
So now I'm going to have to go and look at like some of my old socks that are getting wholly near the toes and the heel and just yes. cut them off at the ankle and then put thumb holes in them and use those as my my sleeve, sleeve extender extenders <laughs> yes. for this coat, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I dig this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, some of the stripey socks that you gave me are almost oh, in that position. So I'll yeah. just re- I'll give them a like. What is this? I will resurrect them like Jesus from the tomb. Uh-huh. I will change your holy socks into singularly holy like uh, we're, arm warmers. Since we're getting close to Christmas, we should probably start be uh, start warming up for the uh, the great the traditional podcast of the War on Christmas. The War or supporting on Christmas. The troops on, supporting our troops on the war on christmas we're still trying to answer the question of how do you support the troops in the war on christmas i don't know yet well i've always i've always felt that one of the ways is that you buy starbucks um yes as a traditional you know as tradition but um the reason i brought this up is that uh one of the recently i i was playing D &D for uh halloween we did a halloween special and I, Uh i made a halloween campaign and so obviously that involved a lot of the undead um, yes and and the more i the older i get and the more time i spend like so i spent a lot of time reading about the undead for this halloween special because i wanted to <laughs> um you know i wanted to kind of like flesh out this adventure for my friends in a way that was like you know halloweeny right so it's like yeah make sure i include most of the various undead creatures that the the classic D the classics right the classics right so like zombies and mummies and vampires and wraiths and you know um various like ghosts and ghouls and things like that yeah um but one of the things that's so funny to me is like is this like the zombie jesus idea right like so you know for uh uh easter I, a lot of people that i know now kind of refer to it as like zombie jesus day right yes Yes. i'm so um, glad that caught on yeah and uh and i just find it so funny how so the the campaign or the the one the one-off game that we ran for the halloween day or for the Uh day before halloween whenever we did it um was i titled it um pawns of the necromancer and it occurs to me that like Jesus is very like there's a lot of necromancy going on in this in the tale of Jesus, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of like, you know, death and resurrection and yeah. various like sort demons. of demons and a lot of demons. Yep. Um anyway, I just find that really funny because it's uh yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it's the right time of year too. Like it is, yeah. Well, and now I really feel like very strongly that it's like you know Halloween, that Halloween period, right? It's like the end of the year. It's from like the mm-hmm. end of October all the way through to the new year. Yeah. Well, till Easter. That's the big. That's right. the big undead Halloween special period right. of time. The yeah, and it's winter. annoying because like uh even though that <laughs> so let's just start out first of all with the like disclaimer that there's absolutely no fucking archaeological, geological or other like remnant evidence whatsoever to suggest that Jesus was actually a person who was alive. Right. Um but if he was Wait, but hold on a second. But wait a minute. Going. But wait, are you You mean you this saying... whole time? <laughs> Are you saying that this could be a myth? Yeah. Um. So, like, even if he was a real person, the right. time of year that, like, he supposedly was born or whatever didn't actually line up with, like, what we think of no. as Christmas in the Northern no. Hemisphere. They just hijacked that for convenience sake. Right. No, and, I mean, my take is, like, 
you know it's if, like you know when you're part of a fucking phone company and then that phone company gets bought out and you're like we were quest wireless and now we're verizon yes. that's what i feel like the religions do too they're like no no no, no. we bought you guys out and um now, and now you're, yes. you're no longer pagans we hijacked your holiday so you're christians now because like right. we bought it out so that's the deal so that thing you're already doing we're calling it a different thing and now you're us right you're <clears throat> our customer yeah mm-hmm. um I, yeah well my take is more like in the modern time it's like you know starting with halloween begins the great the great months of the undead right so like you start from halloween and you go all the way to um easter where you have like one of the greatest mythological zombies ever yes yes and so maybe we should do a series of shorts on like zombies and undead and talk about all of the great mythology an amazing imaginative work that's gone on like um what is the you're really uh, we've talked about this before a little bit but maybe not much on the podcast the um there's the symbology that's like the amazingly intricate symbols that are um fuck you showed me a couple of them. I can't remember. There's like a name, like a category for them. They're usually like very um, kind of like simple in line, but ornate in complexity. Um, mm. And I want to say like uh, voodoo related. Oh, yeah. They're the Vevers or Veves. They're um, the, the V-E-V-E-R-S. They're yeah. the... They're the designs that you that if you're a person who practices Vodun, like Haitian Vodun, I believe, um, he, yeah, are the ones that I'm specifically familiar with because they're like depending on how more backer you go, that goes back to like African religions as well. So anyway, <clears throat> the like United States, Southern United States of America, like Gulf of Mexico, voodoo that I read about and that this particular book that i think we're both thinking of talks about has the veves for a bunch of the loa which are the um the gods oh. that possess people during yes. a voodoo ceremony and so like you draw them on the floor yeah legba and like erzuli yeah. yes and so yeah, yeah yeah like yeah and um you so depending on who you want to like commune with and who you want to have visit you and occupy your body and like do the thing during the ceremony, you draw out different, um, veves and then you offer different types of like libations and food and sacrifices and things like that to attract specific, um, Uh, yeah, no, this is cool. So, um, maybe we could cogitate a little bit on that and maybe do some shorts around that. Um, over the next couple of months i it this is one of those things where i i appreciate um this is where like things get muddled for me in the concept of like cultural appropriation right so yeah um clearly uh veve or yeah i think i'm i think it's pronounced i've only ever read it so i have never like been invited to a, a voodoo ceremony or like done anything like that we've right. spent time in new orleans but like that's all very the culture that you have access to is pr- like pretty kitschy uh, and touristy sure um, yeah and underlying that like w- the particular book that i read was um written by a, a couple named the rodmans and they're art collectors and they spent a lot of time um, in Haiti and they had a they had an art gallery in Haiti and Port-au-Prince. And so mm-hmm. the book that I read is an art book about 
it, it's how these artists who are white people who have lived for a very long time in Haiti um, sit kind of like in this liminality where they're like considered locals and they have participated in lots of voodoo ceremonies and they are like trusted people there, but they also interact with like people who have nothing to do with Haiti and they like are advocates for the art. And I don't, I, I have no idea like what the dynamic, the power dynamics are here. Like I'm not advocating right, that right. these people are like great people or anything. I'm just saying like <clears throat> everything I know about that culture came from that book in the through the lens of the artwork of the people of haiti who uh, like are largely overlooked on an international art scene because their art is considered folk art but it's actually like really fucking amazing art right um and so it's it's an art book but the it's the artists talking about how they have experienced haitian voodoo and um, the things that like sort of stand out to them about it. And then they talk about other people, a woman named Maya Darren who wrote a book about, I think she wrote the serpent in the rainbow, which was adapted into an absolutely trash movie. <laughs> <laughs> like the movie's fucking awful. Yes. Um, yeah. The book is really good though. But anyway, they're like, they're serious, like art critics and cultural critics and stuff like that. And so, you know, serious, whatever that means. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> and, there, the book that they did did not feel exploitative to me, but what do I know? Oh, right. No, and I, I guess <laughs> I, the reason I bring it up is just that, you know, if we launch into, because um, this is where, you know, like if I, I look at like sort of, uh, for instance, like Dungeons and Dragons, it's representation of mythological or, or sort of crypto, what are they, uh, cryptozoology um, mm-hmm. and things like this is, yeah. is you know, basically just takes all these ideas from like very different cultural mythologies and just completely whitewashes it into, you know, the fever dream of some like a a very small select group of like Midwest white men. Right. Like, um, you know, and so it, it like Dungeons and Dragons culturally is like this huge movement now, which whatever, I don't, know um (laughs) i don't know that's a good thing i think it's great that people are enjoying themselves and this is where this is where i was going to kind of get into that idea of forced fun right where it's like um if we're going to talk about uh the concepts of like you know zombieism or something and then look into the roots of it it's like well it comes from these cultural backgrounds um you know, that may be very different from the modern mythology or the modern rules of zombieism, right? Or zombies. Oh, sure. And, um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's really interesting. And like the very, yeah, I see the, what you're the, like the westernization of everything, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, most of my exposure to a lot of myth- mythology is either through um, the forced fun of having to read, not really, this isn't, but, you know, in, yeah. you know, having read like Greek um you know homer and the iliad and things like that where it's like Mm -hmm. this um you know there's those sort of mythological creatures and then there's sort of the the sort of like nordic mythology i think like gnomes and things i could be Mm -hmm. muxing this all up but and that's part of my point is like for me my first exposure of that was like through these books of dungeons and dragons where it's like oh here's all these here's all these monsters and just this very short description about the behavior of this monster with a very little understanding of culturally like how that came about but uh my point being is like if we're going to talk about the undead like there's very like western ideas of vampirism versus like very sort of eastern ideas versus other cultures um you know i don't want to like 
divide everything into this binary of like us versus them, but also like acknowledge the fact that that most of this, at least my exposure to it, is probably hugely westernized, right? Um, right. You know, with yes. very little little understanding of like cultural rel relevance and you know what it means for other cultures like even if we look into the symbolism of like the veve and things like that like mm -hmm. you know um so anyway something to be mindful of i don't know how to yeah. you know uh, i i was like uh i of all of the like religions that i've read about um haitian voodoo is really fucking interesting and has just like such a huge amount of creativity involved in it yeah i think that's what i like about it it's like there's so much um creative generative force happening whenever they have a ceremony it sounds like and it, it's just so contrasted to like the sort of religious experiences i had growing up which were sort of stultifying in mm -hmm. their in their <clears throat> in their like lack of passion and like like super not fun just like not i, I mean yeah, like extremely repressive yes. and then you're like you got to drink out of the same wine glass of this terrible wine that literally everybody else in the church is putting their fucking lips on yes. and you're just like this is not cool and like i don't know just all of the uh, looming in the background is the uh, like years and years and years and years and years of legacy legacy of abuse yeah and it's just like man <clears throat> i i'm fascinated by religions but i don't like put any stock in any of them you know i don't know Right, right, but man, if you're sure. gonna have to sit through something, I can tell you that the Catholic ceremonies are not the most fun. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of art involved there. No, no, and like, and the singing, even if you're lucky, if they're singing, mm. it's just like real. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, um, everybody at church is terrible at singing, and it's more like chanting than singing. There are no harmonies, so it's just all melody, and everybody's like, I don't really know, and so they all just separate into yes, octaves. Yes. So you've got like somebody who's like doing some insane baritone over here, and there's some woman who's like cracking her voice at the top over there because she's like, I can't. I'm in the middle, but there's no middle. It's just octaves. Yes. Yeah. I have nothing positive to say about being a Catholic and going to church. I, I'm trying <laughs> like to think zero. if I have any like real positive memories from my childhood. I mostly my exposure was my grandfather was was Catholic and we uh lived with him after I was 6 mm -hmm. and uh and so we went to you know like Christmas and maybe Easter mass and then you know various other like sort of events the occasional yeah. Sunday because you know we were drug along for that for whatever so reason. So many people get drunk before midnight mass. I didn't know that. I mean I know that now but like I remember when I was a kid oh. I didn't, it was like later I was like oh this is why everybody's so amiable about going. Mm -hmm. Like it's fucking late and I, as a kid I remember being like god this is so fucking late and now we have to go at midnight where i'm just so tired mm -hmm. i don't yeah. want i don't want to 
everybody else is hopped up on holiday booze like eggnog uh-huh. like yes. eggnog so they're like full of protein on top of the booze they can go for uh-huh. hours yep <clears throat> they're all gonna drive oh yeah oh yeah uh yeah i mm-hmm. holidays are when i had the most um as a child i remember getting right like being put into a car with a very drunk driver like many Great. times oh my um, god including like, <clears throat> my dad's remarriage when he remarried i was just like, mm-hmm. what the fuck i was i think i was 11 or 13 i can't remember i was i think it was i think it was 11 i think it was 11 then anyway yeah i just I, remember thinking like I don't need, we don't need to do this like we could walk home. No, no, it's fine. Uncle so-and-so is going to give you a ride. Just get in the back. It was just like, holy shit. (laughs) Oh, I had a friend who was like, yeah, me and uh, my cousin Tom didn't even know that you weren't supposed to like drive around drinking beer until we were like 13. (laughs) Right. It's like, God. (laughs) Because their dads did it all the time. Uh Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Well, um So yeah, um mandatory fun. I don't know. Church like when you do when you go to like Bible study class or like Bible camp or whatever, that's like yeah. mandatory fun. Yes. It has to be because what you're doing you're embedding the you're embedding the promise of fun in an activity or in a setting that is inherently the opposite of fun. Right. So if you're if people are expected to have fun in those settings, it, they have to gin it up themselves somehow. Like you're you're being a fun enforcer. Like you're going to be like you're going to come to a fun camp and you're like that these are oxymorons in terms. Yes. It's so ridiculous. Well, we went to Girl Scout camp and uh-huh. my mom and some of the other girls' moms were the camp leaders. Girl Scout troop leaders and sure um, things that happened were one of the girls in our troop kept um, crossing her skis and falling down during cross country skiing uh-huh. and um, <clears throat> she had the same boots as another kid and the kid mistakenly took her boots which were too big for the other kid and we know this because her boots were the right size for her but then when she tried on the boots that were left behind they were much too small so a person with small feet but with the same boots took the wrong boots, which were the larger boots. And then the larger booted person who was in my troop couldn't put her feet into the smaller boots. Uh We had to go and steal them back. And we did. (laughs) We went to the cabin in question and we swapped the boots. We like had to sneak in. Yeah. And we also had popcorn and also the smoke alarms in our cabin kept going off because we had a wood burning stove that needed to be tended and my mom and everybody else made the executive decision to unplug it because it was so annoying and everybody agreed that we wouldn't hold it against them if we died because we'd be warm what? <laughs> and that's what i remember about girl scout camp uh, yeah. in the winter oh and we also made candles so you dig into the snow and like pack uh-huh. it into a form and then you pour hot wax in it and it freezes into a candle and you can make candles in the snow it's pretty cool oh that's cool i bet they have that kind of a cool, cool texture on the outside yes they do it's really fun like yeah. that was one of the surprising fun things from that weekend i mean i liked girl scouts don't get me wrong understood yeah just, i get you yeah there were moments 
Yeah, there were definitely moments, but that was kind of like a funny debacle of a trip because it was like the stolen boots and the falling down a lot and the like sleeping in a potential fire hazard and like yeah, yeah. And I just love how they like the parents are like, well, as long as the kids say it's okay, uh-huh. you know, like right. like that. How somehow right. um like vacates their guilt if they kill us in a fire or like uh-huh. smoke monox carbon monoxide us to death because they can't figure out how the flu in the chimney is supposed to work or whatever i don't right. i'm feeling like as an adult now yeah if i had been in that group same circumstances except i was an adult not one of the kids i'd be like no 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 uh-huh. we're not unplugging the fucking fire alarm we're right. figuring out why the stove keeps putting smoke into the room yes you guys <laughs> yeah. You're solving for the wrong problem. Right. God. You guys going to be okay if it's, you know, a little smoky in here and the thing stops beeping. Well, sure. Okay. They said they were fine. So unplug it. In my career as a software developer, the number of times people have unplugged the proverbial Mm -hmm. fire alarm. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. We literally have that for a very specific reason. (laughs) And the fact that you can't get it to stop making an alarm is why it's there. Right. So that you don't go and run this software. Like it just was like, like I worked for one company and and the details don't matter. But essentially I remember um, coming into work one day and the guy, this guy like called me or he saw me in the hall. So I was like a contractor and he was like one of the, the new software developer team members. And he like, I, the look on his face was like, he'd seen a ghost. And I, I was like, he was just like, pat, like just so paper white and just like oh. drained of all, like he was just terrified. And I was no like, Oh, what's blood. up? And he's like, uh, so like, the whole database is deleted and blah, blah blah and this was like like i don't even know where to begin about the fact that they did not have backups and they had all these other pro like they didn't i was like hey we have backups right oh no we don't have backups for that okay great so let's make sure the first thing we do is like make sure we have backups so he's freaking out no it wasn't that it had been deleted it had been corrupted by like God. this malicious not malicious but like spurious data set that got pushed in there and it'd been like that for like a month now and i was Mm -hmm. like oh well no problem like you guys notice the alarm going off right and he's like oh i we disconnected that because we couldn't get it to stop going and i was like okay so that alarm that was going off is telling you that this bad thing is happening that you've now noticed through the bat like it was just like and Uh i remember thinking like what the fuck are you guys doing like you the alarm like and to disable the alarm it was like literally like the alarm just like sent messages to everybody being like hey you know incorrect data is being entered into the database you know we need to fix this right and you know i mean this is like hand wavy like it was more technical than that but my point was just (laughs) like you guys like disabled this thing that told you exactly what was wrong right and rather because than you, stop the wrong thing, you just disable. He's like, well, we needed to do this other thing and we couldn't do it without it being wrong. And I'm like, then you can't do it. Right. That's because what that if means. it's wrong, it's not any better. God. Like, oh. it's not a fix if it doesn't like like that. It's like, well, we died, but we were warm. And it's like, no, that's not a solution. 
Oh my god. Hi, I tell you what. How about I get these people's salary and they just don't have a job anymore and that's yes. it. Yes. And that's, you yeah, you just plan. give Yeah, that's the plan. Nothing after that. But you'd be better off because you didn't have all the damage that was done. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, uh I mean that's uh that's an hour and 10 minutes if we want to if we want to stop having yeah. forced fun. I have uh, I consulted with an attorney about about that birthday idea I had for my new business oh, where yes, yes. Um, I am a, a, a humiliation dom for yes. um, people who need dom session, you know, dominant submissive session yes. um, involving humiliation and other forms of BDSM torture. I, I'm all over it. And while we're doing that, we're going to do it in somebody's house who needs to get clean because they're also my client. And so I'm just gonna have two streams of income and not have to do any of the work. This is amazing. Did the uh, did the attorney give you good advice? Uh, he did. He's like, I'm pretty sure that like there's a way to do this, and I was like, excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's me. That's my get rich quick scheme. No. That's fantastic. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be very quick, and it's probably not gonna be very rich. Yeah, well, I don't know. But, you know, it's good, honest work. Right. I love cleaning houses. Yes, yeah. And I love humiliating people who (laughs) deserve it. Yes. (laughs) Do you deserve to be humiliated? There is a fee for that. (laughs) Right, yes. Let me tell you. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, well, I feel pretty good about this. Uh, All right. Yeah. I do too. This oh. is a good, uh, good little chat. Yeah. Um, housekeeping and also listeners, if you made it this far, um, thank you very much. And again, please email us if you have any thoughts or ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and that email is dana at fcbm.io. That's dana at fcbm.io. And um, I was going to say house cleaning stuff. So I have two people who want to talk about things on the podcast um we've got a new podcast coming out with chris who's been on the podcast before who's a design uh professional and then uh mutual friend uh carl who talks a little bit about clowning and he the next time meg that you're in san diego we will connect with him and do a full session oh my gosh gosh, you can ask him all these questions because he knows a lot about it um and he's actually the so he was like the so a little teaser about clowning um so groups of clowns like profession that like oh work God, together yes. professionally are called it's your clown alley oh what yeah and um they're oh my yeah and they uh so carl was like regional head of his clown alley or like all of the ones maybe in the west coast or in the u.s or something and now i think he's like the guy in the world for that organization and this organization has a magazine what what and the magazine is called clowning around oh no oh no this is so amazing and he's like the he's like the union steward for the fucking yes. clowns yeah a little bit yeah oh my um, god i mean it's i don't think it's quite a union but it, the organization and and he talks is he of, like a clown budsman yeah, clown budsman, exactly yes <laughs> um i anyway i like i I hope that we get to talk to him soon because it was really a delight. He's really funny. Yes. Um, 
and fun and like he takes it very seriously but also um it it's really kind of a really fascinating field of interest that i had no idea i was that interested in and it's like really it's it's pretty amazing like he's he's so i knew carl like growing up and so for me it's like very exciting to like get to know someone who i've known a long time and then like get Mm -hmm. to know this whole other side of him and um yeah but the clowning thing is just fucking amazing like i had no idea like they have this whole problem right now that's like kind of this pr (gasps) problem right which is that um oh you know, is it because the people started dressing up and doing creepy things as clowns? Yes. Yeah. Because the problem, of course, is that like Carl, you know, Carl's stance is like, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is that you can't then try to be associated with like some of these clowning events where it's like the clowning events are the goal of them is to create entertainment, right? That is non-terrifying and generally like wholesome and family, family friendly. Okay. Um, like that's their kind of that's that organization and what they're trying to do. And they're not necessarily saying that like people who are doing terror clowning or whatever, you know, is not <laughs> is that like the name of it. Terror. No, clowning? I no. Well, it's not that well organized. Right. But like around oh. Halloween, <laughs> like around Halloween, you get a lot of like, you know, because of the movie it, um, you know, Pennywise being like a big, yeah. you know, character and things like that. Like, and, and haunted houses, like, like those are perfectly valid forms of entertainment and where, people want to see you know they're they're going there to be scared by these people right yeah yeah understood um but the problem is like he's finding is like how do you divide that in a way um that that preserves the sort of like the public relations of clowns in general Mm -hmm. without because it's not the goal isn't yeah because the goal isn't to be like fuck you guys you can't do what you want because we've like you know got a trademark on clowning or something but the goal is to be like hey like when we talk about clowning this is what we mean and like this is really specific what we're doing over here and so if you want to join and learn these skills you can but you can't show up and then represent yourself as having being you know being one of these kinds of clowns and then going over here and then also like scaring the shit out of people because that ruins it for the rest of us right makes it harder to do birthday parties and shit so so is the stance currently among the the like um members of this clowning organization like is the opinion that the crisis in clowning pr is recent because i gotta say i think a lot of people feel like clowns have always been creepy um i yeah i don't uh carl talks about it and i think the um I think that it's it's more prevalent now like mm. he understands that like some people just don't find clowns entertaining that's fine that's not a you know it's not like a forced fun situation um his I think I think their kind of stance is like yeah but like let us build this thing over here and you know lean on the tradition of clowning as a form of entertainment that's mm-hmm. not terrifying um, right the fact that other people might find yeah, some of this intentionally terrible yeah yeah exactly yeah um <laughs> so um yeah. and but carl made a good point that i i kind of like can see which was uh he talked a little bit about um like solo clowning as being very difficult because that is the kind of like when you're in a group 
he said, then you interact with each other and you can tell the stories and you can have these like yeah. dramas played out amongst the clowns and people find that much more approachable, right? Like the idea of like roping in audience members um, is not always a great idea because it can be very intimidating, which other people right. might translate into as terrifying. Um, yes. So, but I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much of it because right. po- that podcast don't, will come out. Don't give it away. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my friend George wants to talk about liminal spaces. Ooh, so anytime. Will, yeah. So I told him um, I might try to get him set up this week and maybe we'll do that virtual one time. And then if that works out well, like when you're here, we can. I feel like there's on. a joke in there. I'll talk about liminal. I'll talk about liminalities anytime. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah i mean it's deep and it's a deep reaching like you have to really yeah um <laughs> it's a good level it's our kind of absurdity yes it's like you know uh it's like it's like insider humor uh-huh yeah, yeah. you know had, like had like how there. how like commercial pilots are like my other car is a dc10 or yeah, whatever right. and you're like because you're a pilot <laughs> uh-huh okay um anyway that's uh that's all i got yeah oh yeah i just gotta throw one thing out there really quickly because i'm sort of brimming with joy over it although i'm (laughs) disappointment is never never far around the corner yeah uh minnesota (laughs) went completely blue and has a trifecta now of like house senate and governor all like blue so we're gonna get legal weed here pretty soon apparently governor waltz already called up jesse ventura and was like do you want to be at the legal weed signing (laughs) 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 jesse ventura still got it you know Uh uh-huh man he was great he was a great governor. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was amazing. Anyway, yeah. just yeah, I'm in a jovial mood. Although they're just gonna find a way to like destroy all of this greatness with infighting and dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. That's my prediction. No, I know. I was um uh <laughs> I was very, very happy to see that it was not like just just like heartbreakingly disgusting. Um sort of loss of human rights across the board like this session but um i'm terrified like long term it's just like because i think about yeah. this as like i'm like you know with all of the sort of tricks of like uh gerrymandering and all of that just heavily skewing the weight of certain individual votes and the way our political systems already stacked against the ma- you know the the ability mm-hmm. for people to like vote in their interest it's just like like this just feels so close yeah it's like oh yay we like didn't die it was such a close call keep going as fast as possible right we're good for another two years we know the brakes don't work but man we made it around that turn let's see if we can make right. another one Whee! anyway so yeah, that's uh, it's gonna snow some more here. Probably not for enough for a snow emergency. So I'm sure the roads are gonna be terrible. I did uh-huh. love running around today in my little car. Yeah, yeah. You sent me some short videos that were cool. Had our our wood drop off for our wood burning stove today. Yeah. Wow. Um, doing the things. Doing the things. Well, um, I catch. Catch you next time. Yeah, catch you next time. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I hope you're also yes, staying safe you. this winter. And uh, unless you're on Austra- Watch in Australia, out for the in which flu case, and RSV or 
I should say not just Australia, but in the Southern Hemisphere, in which case, happy summer times. Happy summer time. Mm-hmm. Bet it's nice and warm and toasty down there. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.